Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host Ben Kreider and today I am going to be discussing two potential Thunder trades that we may see in the next coming month. And with these two guys, there is no clear kind of cut decision on if they'd be interested. This is just kind of based off of speculation. However, there are pointers kind of leading to both of these guys being on the market, and they kind of do fit the Oklahoma City Thunder's needs. So I'll be discussing those needs that they could fill and what a potential deal would look like. And the two guys that I'm going to be talking about are John Collins of the Atlanta Hawks and Mo Bamba of the Orlando Magic. So let's just get right into things. So, first off, going into John Collins' situation with the Atlanta Hawks, I made a pretty extensive article about John Collins on my website, KyleSingler for MVP.com. Spend a good amount of time kind of just detailing everything. I'm going to be talking about most of this stuff, maybe in summary, because it, it was kind of a loaded article. But yeah, anyways, I'm just going to be going over him and what a deal could look like with someone of his stature. So on Friday, Sam Amick of The Athletic first reported that John Collins was kind of just left on the market. This is the second year in a row John Collins has been put into the trade conversations. Last year was kind of a similar spot. Like they wanted like a home run offer if they were going to let go of the, the big man. And it looks to be the same again, because as he said in his article, even if there was a quality deal to be had that added future assets, his production in the present is so crucial that it appears unlikely that he'll be on the move. Nonetheless, sources say that the Hawks have shown a willingness to listen to offers. So, going to be a steep price if you're going to pick up the 23-year-old, but he is one hell of of a player. John Collins averaged 21.6 points and 10.1 rebounds last year for the Hawks, but his role has kind of got dumbed down a little bit. He's still starting and he's still one of the main driving forces on their team, but they have much more options than they did last year. I mean, they had a splash in the free agency market this season, and we got to start with ex-Thunder player Danilo Gallinari. He is a small forward power forward, Played power forward for us. That's kind of what he's able to do for the Atlanta Hawks. You also got to mention Bogdan Bogdanovich that they got from the Sacramento Kings. Clearly, he's not eating up any of his minutes, but it just shows that they have gotten much better. And, you know, maybe some of these combo guys, such as DeAndre Hunter, who has just had a breakout sophomore season, he can play the three and the four. He may take away some of those minutes for himself. So... There's a lot more competitions here for the minutes, and despite John Collins playing like an all-star, it's still tough for him to have his moments. Still been balling out, though. He's averaging 18.1 points and 7.7 rebounds in the year, but it's evident that the Atlanta Hawks, they kind of have some other pathways to go to if they want to continue to be successful. Now, I mean... Now, the main setback between the Atlanta Hawks and John Collins, it just comes down to money. He is a fourth-year player coming out of the 2017 draft, the pretty decked-out 2017 draft, I would consider. 
at least in terms of power forwards. I mean, he's looking to make his payday because he's going into the free agency market for the first time in his career at the end of this season. He's going to be there with names such as Laurie Markkinen, for instance, another power forward that may garner some offers around the league. But just looking at him, I mean, he's he's been great, and he deserves money. And John Collins, I mean, he's not being too far out of left field with this one. He is wanting to see far over $90 million on his next contract. That's not a problem at all. He deserves it for what he's been given to this team. I mean, he's one of their top three guys, without a doubt. One of the best bright power forwards in the league. But the Atlanta Hawks, they don't want to budge. They are set on this $90 million price tag. And they, both sides have kind of just been clashing. They, the Hawks don't want to move. And John Collins, he's not going to kind of level down to their standards. He knows his worth. And to him, it's much more than $90 million. And with the Atlanta Hawks having a lot of future prospects and stars, I mean, they haven't paid Trey Young yet. You still got to factor in they have three lottery picks in Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, and Onyeko Okongwu, who will be paid in the future. And you also got to keep in mind that they have a lot of big deals under contract from this free agency. They have $100 million, over $100 million booked for their next season as well. So Collins, he may just not fit. Because he's going to add, clearly, he's going to add well over $25 million a season to that price tag. So it's going to go up big time if Collins is brought in. And clearly, he helps them out. But does he help them out that much to the point where maybe down the line you see guys like Cam Reddish, Okongwu, and DeAndre Hunter just not having enough money? Same goes with Trey Young. They may just want to cut cut ties with him and maybe have it a bit more smooth sailing with the other four guys that they are dealing with. But it's a tough call. And the Hawks, this was their season where they wanted they wanted to make the playoffs, without a doubt, bringing everybody in, have a pretty good lineup, especially in the East. I thought they were a guaranteed playoff team. As it sits right now, they're tied for the eighth seed, so they're not one of the top teams in the conference. But they still have a pretty good shot to end up making the playoffs. They're 11 and 14 right now, and they have the ninth easiest schedule remaining in the league. So there should be a lot of wins to come for the rest of their season. Now, we don't really know what the second half of the schedule may bring for Atlanta, but as it stands now, they should finish off the first half probably above 500 and be looking to make some sort of move into the playoffs, a major one. We're not too sure about that, and that's something the Hawks will need to figure out. They may just see this as a year to continue to build. DeAndre Hunter, he's going to be out for a long time. I believe that he has a knee injury that's going to sideline him 7 to 10 weeks. Kind of puts a huge void in that team. They got guys like Cam Reddish trying to absorb those minutes, and Cam Reddish, he's a little bit inconsistent. He has those nights where he will be your guy and it'll look like a superstar and then next game he is dropping like seven points off of 25 percent shooting so on and off for him they don't have that consistent three as of right now so maybe this is another season like last year where they just want to look to next year as their timeline to 
be a top team in the league. Now, in a sweepstakes for John Collins, there are three teams that Sam Amick actually outlined being potential players in the market. Now, this was not just for John Collins in general. This was just kind of a general statement about who would be playing in the markets this season. But, you know, also you can kind of deduce that all three of these teams would definitely have some sort of interest in John Collins. And sources told him that Oklahoma City was in the mix, as well as Detroit and Cleveland. So, I think quite frankly, there's going to be a lot more teams than just those three. You're looking at, as mentioned, one of the top bigs, promising bigs in the entire league on the market. You really think it's just going to be the, I'm not going to say bottom dwellers, but rebuilding teams trying to get this guy? Absolutely not. He is a guy who can start on a championship team right now. I've seen just rumors on like sister sites and all that with like Montrez Harrell being on the board for deals. Victor Oladipo and a first round pick being on the table. These are some heavy duty trades to try to get John Collins. Now, I don't know if those trades are absolutely terrible or not, because let's just be real here. The market or the price range for John Collins is not set in stone. Nobody really knows what the Hawks are looking for. Clearly, they want to win, but with money being tight, they need cheap options that can produce for them, and they may also just want future picks down the line. Now, the way I kind of see things with John Collins... I think something that would be fair for him would be something along the lines of a lottery selection, maybe even a second first round pick in there, as well as a piece they can implement in the lineup right now and bring some positivity to the unit. They need more players to help them if they're going to continue to push in the playoffs. And many teams can bring that. I think Oklahoma City has the most assets out of anyone in the league. No question. You need to just mark out all the young guys in deals. I think SGA is untouchable. Dort's untouchable. Baisley's untouchable. Maladone and Pokachevsky are untouchable for now. And even looking farther down, I think Isaiah Roby in this deal, I don't know if the Thunder would fork him out, maybe. But he, he could be part of the future. And with two-way players such as Moses Brown and Josh Hall, I'm not too sure. The first round picks, though, I think they'd be on the table for trades. I mean, the Thunder have 18 potential firsts through 2027. So giving up a pick or two for your future four or five, it may actually be worth the investment. And with a lot of cheap options on the roster right now, you can give up one of your guys to make a deal work out. Just kind of depends on if Atlanta is interested in going to collect future guys as opposed to trying to win now. That's what this all comes down to. But if they take the route of let's continue to keep getting picks and maybe add a nice player to help next season when DeAndre Hunter's back in the lineup, yeah, the Thunder, they're a team to be on the lookout for. And the deal that I was kind of trying to think up, a little bit hard because there's so many picks here. And there's varying degrees of value in all of them. A a number 7 pick in the draft is infinitely more valuable than a number 17 pick in the draft. You know, we saw in the 
draft, like this draft, the Oklahoma City Thunder had to give up picks number 25 and number 28 to move up to number 17. So just those couple selections mean a big difference when it comes to draft day. Comes even more significant when you're looking at the number one picks in drafts. I think whenever the um, the Philadelphia 76ers traded up to get Markel Fultz a couple years ago, they had to give up that number three pick as well as, uh, I believe, like the Kings pick or something. And that pick turned out to be very good as well. So there's a lot of value that needs to be put in for every selection in this draft. So Thunder, they have lottery selections definitely they have late round selections and they also have kind of just some enigmas sprinkled in there so i think to start out a deal you may want to look towards the warriors top 20 protected pick this season i don't know the clear value on this because the the golden state warriors it's going to be close maybe it gets to the point in the final stages of the season where steve kerr there's like two games win them both you're pick number 21 and you never see it lose them both your pick number 20 and you're good to go i could see steve kerr want to toss a couple games get you that first round pick but could also turn out to be a number 21 through number 30 selection and if it is that's going to be a first round pick you're looking at now it's in the back end of the first but there's still real value there i mean there are obviously going to be gyms there there is in every single draft class so you get a little shot there if you would like to. You put that in. That's kind of just your like your side. That's not the real entree. That's how you kind of just lure them in. And if it's not the Warriors first round pick, it's going to end up conveying to the Minnesota Timberwolves second round pick this season. And that should be a top 35 pick in the draft, I'd like to say. Timberwolves aren't doing that hot. They're getting Carl Anthony Towns back, so they may make a push. But... I really see that being a top pick in the second round. So you end up picking that up, but then you need to go in with the real firepower, and that's where you go in with the picks that are expected to be moderately high, or there's just not a lot to talk about. Now, you can just go guns blazing and give up like a top pick. You're not going to give one up in this, this season. You're not giving up one of your two selections out of the Thunder, um, the Rockets, and the Miami Heat. It's simply not going to happen. So the picks are coming from a couple years away. And that may actually help out the Hawks' timeline because they got a lot of people they need to be paying on the books right now. They don't want to be getting on a rookie who, you know, they're going to have to cram salary in like right after the other. If they get a pick this season, you got on Yeko Kongwu, coming off his deal the year before and then you got your top pick from this year or i guess the 2021 draft you have to pay big dollars to so they may actually want to space things out and it would help out for both because the thunder they want to get all their young guys now atlanta sure they want young guys but they may prefer to get some more pieces a little bit farther down the line and that's where you see picks such as philadelphia's 2025 first which you're not really sure what the value there is. Um, you have Ben Simmons still with the 76ers. You have Joel Embiid still with them. Tobias Harris, Matisse Thibel. You got all these great guys. But four years down the line, are they still going to be that good? And the pick, the pick protections on it, it it's not that great. 
The pick projection is just 1 through 6 in 2025, dwindles down to 1 through 4 in 2026, and 1 through 4 in 2027. 2028, that bad boy is going to be unprotected, but should probably convey in those first three years. It's a risk for the Atlanta Hawks, and it's a risk for the Thunder. Now, they have a bit of a cushion because it's protected just a little bit, but the Hawks may want to take a bite at that. And that could be a top pick depending on how everything shapes up in Philadelphia because they want to win now. They could potentially just crash and burn in the next couple years. And I'm being dead serious when I say that. They also can decide, you know what, maybe we want to hold on to that. Let's look at one of our Thunder future picks. Now, I think the value in Thunder picks, it's going to just slowly diminish as years go by because the Thunder, once they start acquiring all these young pieces, their team's going to be a lot better. Right now, we are in the rebuilding phase, and it's going to be like that for the next couple years. That's that's no surprise here. But there's going to be a point where we have a team full of lottery picks with a ton of potential and maybe even guys that we traded for with picks. And these picks back in like the 2025, 2026, 2027 years, those are going to be late round picks. So you could throw one of those out there. I don't know how the Hawks would kind of feel about getting one of those, but you can toss one of those in there and maybe see what happens. Now, there's also other picks you can talk about, specifically the Los Angeles Clippers and Houston Rockets picks. Now, with the LA Clippers, you're getting all unprotected picks here. You got a shot at it in 2026, 2024, and you even got the pick swaps pretty much all throughout these next couple years. So, maybe you can throw those in there to help out. I mean, the Clippers, they're really good right now, but how are they going to look once Kawhi and Paul George are off the books and they're going to be a little bit older? You don't know because they truthfully, I mean, they gave up all their picks to the Thunder They're in Los Angeles, so they may be able to just continue to get guys in free agency, but will they still be a contender that far down the line? I don't think the entire league truthfully believes that. I think people think that those Clipper picks are going to mean a lot, and the same may go with the Rockets too. Now, they are looking pretty solid right now. They got out of that Harden deal not too shabby at all. They're netting Victor Oladipo. They got some future first for a pretty long time, and you're able to pair Oladipo up with Christian Wood. Sucks that he's hurt right now, but Christian Wood, he's going to be with that franchise for a while, and he's one of the top power forwards and centers. He can play both at a very high level in the entire league right now, and hell, you know, they may even be in this John Collins market um, if they wanted to, Um, but yeah, they could be a team that sticks and sticks around in mediocrity, falls down, or spikes up. It's a toss-up with them, too. So, you throw in one of those kind of surprise picks along with the Golden State Warriors one, you may have a little bit there. I think that's a fair enough offer. I think the Atlanta Hawks, they're kind of in a press situation right now to the point where one to two first-round picks, especially one with lottery potential, should do it for them. But they also would likely need a player. And when you're taking out all these kind of young guys that you love, it leaves certain players who 
are solid, but they may not just fit the Thunder's vision right now. And that's when you get into guys such as the Justin Jacksons of the world, the Darius Miller on your expiring Muscala. But then you got big boys like Kenrich Williams. Now, Kenrich Williams, he has the best contract in the entire league. When it comes to bang for your buck value, Kenrich Williams is number one, and it's not even close. The Thunder have him for the next three years for $6 million. He's making $2 mil a year for the next three seasons. What he has given the Thunder is special. No one else is able to replicate it. He's hustling for you. He's playing two through four. Looks like he's able to score now. He's been averaging double digits in the month of February. And he's looked like Dort had been for us in his rookie year. Like, he's probably the number one energy guy right now. And he's looking like a suitable starter. And he's probably going to continue to look that way. He's 26 years old. So does he kind of just, is he going to be on the team whenever we're competing? I don't know about that, to be quite honest with you. And I think his value is extremely high. I think every Thunder fan would be really pissed off to see Kendrick Williams go. And I'd be, I'd be pretty upset too. But if Sam Presti wants to take a shot at Collins, you kind of got to throw, you may have to throw him in there. I mean, that might be the decisive factor. Sam Presti may hold off and say, you know what? We're not going to give up Kendrick Williams in a trade. We'll give you a future second, or we'll give you one of our vets in a Muscala or a Justin Jackson, whatever. And they may settle for that. But Kendrick Williams could be a major piece and not just a potential John Collins trade, but just any trade we see over this offseason. And I'm going to highlight him in another episode just because I think he's a very unique player that we have. And there's so many different pathways the Thunder may go with him in the next month. But I think he could be in the conversation for a deal such as this. Now, let's say they get Collins hypothetically. If they hold on to both their top two selections in this draft, they're going to have SGA at the one. You're going to have maybe a little bit of a void at the two right now. You got Dort at the three, Baisley at the four, Horford at the five. With Collins, you're probably going to throw him in at the five and use him as a small ball player. So the options and kind of where you're looking towards with those two top selections, it's going to be trying to pair SGA up with a guard or finding a small forward because Lou Dort, he's a very good player at the two and the three. So you don't necessarily need to pick based off a selection. You can just go off of true talent there and Dort can kind of fill things up. Baisley, if you want to go after like a power forward or something, could Baisley slide down to the three? Potentially, I think the Thunder would probably be more comfortable just picking a true small forward, such as like a Jonathan Kuminga or going after a guard such as Cade Cunningham. There's a real chance that they can't get either of those guys. I think Cade Cunningham has cemented himself as the number one player. Maybe he slips down, but there's no way he's not a top three pick. And Jonathan Kuminga, he's been probably the best player in the G League bubble through this first week. I think he's actually been playing better than Jalen Green. That may be up for debate, but his stock is going to continue to rise. He's been able to score at all three levels. He is the athletic freak. I talked about it whenever the Blue played the Ignite. Kuminga goes up for like 24 points, I believe. He couldn't miss a shot. It was Duncan over Pokachevsky. 
He was taking it off the dribble, just popping it from three. He did whatever he wanted, and he was a ferocious attacking the basket to collect some free throws. So you could get him, you could get a Cade Cunningham, or you can look down to other guards and try to figure it out with SGA. Or just take it sort of a curveball, maybe, and just take whoever. You can kind of fill out the roster however you'd like. But one thing that is clear is John Collins is going to accelerate the rebuild. And those two first round picks are going to mean a lot because if they get exactly who they want right there, along with John Collins, you're going to be looking to just maybe even win right now. You have a lot of picks down the line anyways that should have some value on it. So I think secretly they may not want to do that. They may want to continue for maybe like a year, two, three years having lower picks. But if a situation like this kind of comes upon the team, they're going to take it and they're going to run with it because they do have some great guys on the roster right now. With John Collins on the team, you're going to get a guy who is a perfect small ball four or five. He can play inside and outside. He's one of the best finishers. You can use him as a pick and roll man on alley-oops. Who's going to stop him? You can try to put him in a Christian Wood role where he wants to play make and isolate on other bigger centers. And whenever these centers try to body him down low, he's pretty good at rejecting shots. I think he's averaging one this season, but before this, he's been averaging well over 1.0 there. And he's even able to shoot the ball. He has been shooting 40% from the three-point arc in the past couple seasons. So, if you leave him wide open on a pick and pop, he's going to kill you. He has a much faster release than Al Horford. So, you know, you can't be that lax on him. And then even, he can just space it out. You can let SGA ISO, Baisley ISO, whoever you want can isolate because he is able to play in space and someone will need to be attached to him at all times. So you get all the options you want there. Only 23 years old and he can be that future guy that you need. He solidifies your four or five position. No question about it. You got to pay him big bucks. You're likely going to see him making, as I said, like 25 mil a year. If he's not cool with $90 million, is he going to press it up past 100 mil? I don't know. You, you just know entering this, if you're giving up two first round picks, you're going to need to pay the guy. So he would have all the leverage in the world if you deal him. But if the Thunder are willing to pay and they are that confident in John Collins, you go for it. And I mean, if they want to be in this mode where they want to continue to grab picks, Thunder are your number one team and they could walk away with John Collins. That's just kind of my take on it. Everything lays in the hands of Sam Presti though. And I mean, since the Hawks are kind of taking on calls now, it's up to him to join in on the bidding war and maybe take John Collins to the peak. Second player that I want to talk about in today's episode, it's Mo Bamba of the Orlando Magic. He's in a really sticky situation in Orlando right now, and it's something that honestly we have not just seen with Bamba. Let's look at our OKC Blue roster. Melvin Frazier Jr. was with them, and he ran into similar situation. Now, Bamba, he's only 22 years old. He had a pretty solid sophomore campaign. He averaged 5.4 points, 4.9 rebounds, and 1.4 blocks in just 14 minutes. And he even stretched out the floor. He shot 35% from deep. But he's actually just seen a diminished role. And now he's almost not even relevant on the roster. 
With Frazier, very different, but we have him now. Pick 35 in uh, the 2018 draft class. Never really got a true shot, just buried, had to play in the G League and wound up with us now. I'm not going to say Bamba's exactly like that because he's still with the main squad, but it seems like they've almost given up on the 22-year-old at this point, and it's because Nikola Vucevic has really just turned into a star. If you've ever played fantasy basketball, like point-wise, you know Nikola Vucevic is always a stud for you, and he's continuing to do that. He's a clear all-star in the Eastern Conference, and he's locked up for two more years on his contract. So that just leaves one more spot, really, for the center position. And Kem Birch is fighting for it, as well as Mo Bamba. And it seems like Birch has won that positional battle. Now, Birch is averaging 6.8 points, 6 rebounds, 1.2 assists, and 0.7 blocks in 21 minutes right now. And Bamba, he's putting up 5.2 points, 3 rebounds, 0.4 assists, and 0.5 blocks in 7.3 minutes. So, if you expand, it's like 36 minutes or 48. Bamba's actually crushing Kem Birch, but he doesn't do exactly what the Magic like. The Magic, they just want a traditional center. They don't want, like, all over the place. Like, Bamba's, he's more about space, not the floor. He's not doing the dirty work, setting the screens, going inside, hustling for the rebounds. At least not as well as Kem Birch is. So, Kem Birch takes the backup spot, and that leaves Bamba with literally no minutes to garner at all unless someone gets hurt there so kind of just puts him in a scenario where he's not really needed with the team and with Steve Clifford and the Magic just wanting to compete for a playoff spot again they don't need him they need guys from the two through four positions to help out and kind of give them the run that they so desperately want and with Bamba making 5.9 mil this season and 7.5 mil next year, probably should be on the move because he's just going to stand there, kind of just clogging up a lot of money. They don't need that. They need guys in those positions that are actually of need. So there should be an immediate market from almost every rebuilding team in the league right now. The value on Bamba there's, it's like almost non-existent since the Magic are refusing to play him. And I think there might even be other playoff teams who may find a use in him. I think the number one team that could be like a surprise squad would be the Golden State Warriors. Because they only have James Wiseman and Kevon Looney playing at the five right now. They need another center there. Kevon Looney, he's a four and five guy. He's kind of played more at the five now. But they definitely need another five, and Bamba would be that for them. I think when you look at their assets, their main ones are Nico Mannion or Eric Pascal. Now, I don't think it works for either side with either of these players. I think when you look at Mannion, Orlando, they already have Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony at point guard, so don't really need Mannion, even though he's looked like a hell of a player. I think even Golden State may say no if that deal happened, because they need a backup point guard for the future, and... Mannion's been one of the best players in the bubble, but with Eric Pascal, I don't know if Golden State would want to deal him. I know the Magic would show interest because they need someone to play at the four spot. I don't think the Warriors would be cool with that, though, so you may actually mark them out. They may sneak in and somehow find their way in a deal with some of those players or someone like Looney somehow, but I'm not sure. I just think it would fit with them to try to make an attempt at it, but the rebuilding team's 
those are the main dudes to look at. And it starts with the Charlotte Hornets. They only have Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo at center. That's not going to work for them long term. They want to rebuild. They probably want Mo Bamba. They have a lot of assets to kind of tool around with. They got Jalen McDaniels, Malik Monk, and maybe even like the, the Martin Twins if you want to throw them in there. I don't know if the Martin Twins would do it for the Magic. They're both solid, but I don't think they're like that great. Malik Monk would definitely do it, at least on the Orlando side. I would like to believe they need some more young guys to play at the guard positions. I think the Hornets may want some more value there, though. I think there was, uh, I mean, just rumors going around that maybe Monk for Bagley would work out. I think they'd probably take Bagley over Bamba, to be quite honest with you there. So maybe the Magic would need to spice up an offer to even net Malik Monk. The sweet spot, though, is Jalen McDaniels. Now, he's 6'10", kind of like a point forward. He's a ball handler, able to get you your rebounds. Still a project, though. He's playing in the bubble right now, but he's been pretty sweet. I think it would be a similar thing to Bamba. Like, Bamba's a project, but he doesn't fulfill what the Magic want. McDaniels definitely is. He can play the 3 or the 4, able to stretch out the floor, pretty much do whatever he wants. Just a little bit on the smaller side, though, when it comes to weight. You could take him, maybe a second-round pick. That's probably what the best offer from Charlotte would be. Think the Detroit Pistons too. They're going to be a big player. They need a future center alongside Isaiah Stewart. They picked up Mason Plumley in free agency, and he has been a beast for them. But he's not going to be there the whole entire time. They need someone else. And Bamba, he'd probably fit with them. Asset-wise, Sfi Mikhailuk is the guy you would look at. He's a six-foot-seven sharpshooter. You throw him on the Magic bench, and he just does exactly what he's in there for he gives you the shooting responsibilities ease off some of the other players you got evan fournier there but i know them i mean both sides with fournier and the magic kind of been a little bit tedious i think money wise they're a little bit upset with each other so maybe they don't stick around fournier is more that shot creator makai luke's not giving you that same kind of production but it's worth a shot maybe putting him in there and then the pistons they wouldn't be afraid to give up a pick to get a former top pick in Mo Bamba. So they'll get a second or two alongside that. But that leads to the Oklahoma City Thunder. They have much more to offer than these other teams. Same deal with John Collins. I mean, you got 18 first-round picks. Do you give a first-round pick for a Mo Bamba? I think that's more of a discussion. I think a second or two probably would be more fair of an assessment on what his value would be like but if the thunder really wanted him the warriors pick that they got is still very versatile i had it in the john collins deal but if it fell through there you could probably just put it in a bomba deal and the magic would already be drooling all over everything because it's going to be either a top of the first bottom of the second pick they can get whoever they want there Maybe you can continue to throw in like a another second round pick, but that might already be enough in terms of draft capital. What you would need is a role player on the side, and it's still, you got to take out all the young dudes, and even now, you emphatically take Isaiah Roby out the conversation. 
So you're kind of just left with the vets again. But you also throw it in. Maybe you can throw in a guy like Ty Jerome too. And I'll go into why in a second though. The main five that I grouped into this would be Kenrich Williams, Mike Muscala, Darius Miller, Justin Jackson, and the man himself, Ty Jerome. Out of those five, I think only one of those you probably take off the board, and it's Kenrich Williams. He's shown too much, and he's on too good of a deal to just be throwing around on a project like Bamba. If you're putting him in a deal, it's for a guy you know is going to ball out, such as John Collins, so you throw him out. You're just left with Muscala, Miller, Jackson, and Jerome. And Mike Muscala would be great for them. They don't have Jonathan Isaac for the rest of the season. And Aaron Gordon is going to be out for an extended period of time. He's the perfect stretch four for the Orlando Magic. He's had games for the Thunder where he cannot miss. They need him right now because as it is right now, they don't have a real power forward or at least a dominant power forward they need someone there Muscala plugs in in replacement of Gordon once Gordon comes back Muscala he goes down to the bench and it'll still be great for the team he's also on an expiring deal too so if they don't like him after one year he can be gone honestly I think if they got Muscala they'd want to keep him around especially if they want to continue to compete money works out for both sides same with goes with Darius Miller and Darius Miller's more of like a chip used for a free agency splash. He's on a $7 million expiring. Just a, a good sharpshooter. Hasn't played a lot for us, but when he has played, he's been able to kind of put an exclamation mark from downtown. Throw him in for the rest of the year. If you don't like him, all good. You go separate ways. Get yourself $7 million freed up. If you had Bomba on the team... He'd be putting up 7.5 mil next season, and he wouldn't be doing enough for you. So it would work out for them. They'd probably get a benefit out of just getting Darius Miller out of all these guys. Justin Jackson, he's more of a dude you could see as a long-term piece. He didn't look that great for the Thunder up until recently. Now he's kind of coming into his own. He's got his shot falling from deep, and even inside, his signature runner has been going down despite being just clobbered by defenses he's made it work out so if he can keep shooting finishing that's a nice rotational kind of score you can put off the bench he's playing the four but he can drop down to the three six foot seven what the magic needs right there you can get him he's making five mil he's on the final year of his uh, rookie scale contract so he hits restricted free agency next season i don't think the market for him should be that high of a price so if they want to keep him on the squad they're going to get it on a budget so he may work the best when it comes to money wise and what he would fill for the squad but also Ty Jerome's just that wild card if they want to get a younger piece maybe they can bring up Jerome could be there I think the one hitch is I mean do the magic even need a point guard I said no on Mannion Jerome's kind of similar I don't think Jerome would be able to play at point guard if he was on the squad. It would need to be at the two guard. He's six foot five, can pass a bit, shoot a bit, mold around him, I guess. You could take a flyer on him. Personally, I think the Magic may not even want him. I just threw him in there for the fun of it. But you can take him out. I think a deal for Mo Bamba, though, would probably have to involve that Warriors pick. If it ends up conveying to a, like a first round pick, they should be already good there. 
And then along with that pick, you could throw in someone of the essence of like Mike Muscala, Miller, or Justin Jackson, right? And if you don't want to give up that first round pick, just throw in maybe a couple spicy seconds. You can give up yours. You can give up the Thunder's pick, second round pick from maybe like next year. I don't think they can trade this one because they have like a really weird protection on it due to the Vincent Poirier trade from a while ago. But you can try to move that around, maybe another second if you feel like it. Really just a baseline offer though would be either two seconds in a role player or that Warriors pick and maybe a role player as well. So personally, I would be okay with that because Bamba, very unique. I don't think you're getting the same sort of skill sets from anyone you're selecting in the back of the first early parts of the second Maladon was great for us and there could be other players like that on the board next season or just any any time down the line but what you're never gonna see in the late first early second is a seven footer with seven foot ten inch wingspan he got picked early pretty much just based off the measurables he was seen as an elite level shot blocker who could stretch out the floor that's what you would hope to get Adam Mo Bamba, and I don't think the price tag on him would be that high once he hits restricted free agency. Has not shown that much so far in his career, so I think a deal with him, I don't know how many years it would be, but you're probably not going to be paying him, you know, eight figures on a deal. Absolutely not. So you'd probably get him on a budget deal to continue his development. I think that's something the Thunder may be intrigued in, and when they're looking to kind of just form their own style of offense as of right now they're going all small ball Mo Bamba works a little bit there I think as a center he's pretty unique as a prospect still needs to kind of level out things but he has the traits that you love and with Alexei Pokachevsky they clearly were all in on him this draft kind of in the same category as him like Pokachevsky seven footer able to handle the ball shoot a bit pass a bit Bomba's a little more the same, like a lot quicker than a casual seven footer, able to reject anything and can shoot a bit. You put him in there. I don't think he's the same kind of player where you can just put him in screens all the time because he's just not that big right now. But maybe you can try to develop him into more of a beastly force in the paint who can uh who can wreak havoc. But the magic aren't using him to the best of his abilities. That's obvious. If you're throwing him in a system like the OKC Thunder, he's definitely going to get the playing time right now, and he should get a lot better. So that's another dude to be looking at entering the approaching trade deadline. But other than that, guys, that is going to wrap up today's podcast. If you have any other trade suggestions or just feedback on the mock deals I made, make sure to tell me. I'll definitely listen to them. I'll take the feedback, probably mention it in a later podcast but yeah uh, i will be talking to you guys tomorrow i hope you all have a great rest of your day and i will see you all next time peace